If you're turning with me today, we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 9. 9. Do you know that God wants you to win? Like that God is for you? He has a plan for your life and a purpose, but he wants you to win. God's not against you. God's not like rooting for you to fail. I'm gonna teach him a lesson, I hope he loses. Like God is for you and God wants you to win. We're told in the Bible, in several different places, our life as Christians is compared to a race. Paul does it in a couple of different places, but we're told to run this way, run this race. Uh-oh, I'm already messing up words. Run this race. And Paul says run to win. Like don't just run, but run to win in this race called life. Do the best you can. You know, there's a big difference in running and running to win. Like if I just leave the church and decide, you know, I live on the same road as the church here, right down the road. So if I just leave the church and decide to run home, you can tell my, by my physique that I don't choose that very often. <laughs> All right, so, but if I'm just leisurely jogging home or out the end of the parking lot, however long my cardio holds up, uh, that's a lot different than if I'm running in a race trying to win, running to win whole lot different the focus the intensity the the training that should lead up to that we're told to chase the call that God has on our lives Jesus said follow me walk this way Paul said follow me as I follow Christ I'm following after Christ you follow after me this is how you do it we've got examples all throughout the scripture no one accidentally wins a gold medal. It's never happened. I looked into it. No one. Usain Bolt, Michael Phelps, nobody accidentally wins a gold medal. Nobody just thinks, I'll go compete in the Olympics this year and walks away with a gold medal. That doesn't happen. They spend years and years and years and years and years training working out, getting coached, getting better, pushing themselves to the limits and then figuring out how to push more and eating right. And like, you don't just accidentally get a gold medal. You have to work at it. You got to get some knowledge in that area. So my question for you this morning before we start reading the scripture and stuff is, how are you running? Just take a minute in your mind and examine your own life. How are you doing in the race of life? Are you doing good about the things that you're entrusted with or your, your kids or your, your family or your ministry or the call that's on your life? or Are you helping people around you or is your life just all selfishness? How, how are you doing? How are you running? Are you running to win or are you just jogging or are you laying down somewhere in a lawn chair? How are you doing? You know, the lion and the gazelle... They both wake up in the morning and run. Both of them. That's what they do. The exact same thing. They wake up and run. One of them's the king and one of them's the prey. 
one of them runs out of fear. The other one runs for hunger. Motivated by hunger. So are you running motivated by fear or are you running motivated by hunger? There's a big difference. They're both running. So how do you train? How do you grow? How do you learn spiritually? It's the same way that you do physically. Right? You can train motivated by fear. Trust me. Y'all know I fought um, brought for a cause to raise money for House of Cherith for two years. The first year, I had never been in a fight. Like really never, I mean, I mean, I fought with my brothers and stuff like that, but never like actually been in a, a fight. So truth be told, I probably was training out of fear that first year. Like I don't want to get in the ring and get embarrassed and get knocked out. And looking back on that, like I lost, split decision. Made it all the three rounds and then they lifted his hand. And it was close, it was a split decision, but I turned my back on him twice in the fight. They take away points for that. What does that say, fear? Like I just didn't know, like I, I wasn't ready for that. I got hit in the head and wasn't prepared to get hit that hard. And that was one of the hardest pills I've had to swallow was stand there with my friends and family and my boys and everybody looking and like, and like that night with a busted nose and swollen up face and eyes and stuff. And, you know, I said to Jesse after on the way home, you know, I can't hang up the gloves on a loss. She said, I knew that when you were climbing out of the ring. Like I know you. So then the next year, I did it again. But that time, that year, I was hungry. I respected my opponent, but I wasn't afraid of him. I trained hard. And I got in there and won. And you see this, this little medal right here? This is what I won. This was my first place medal for beating him because I was hungry, a prize. So it's the same in the spirit, right? If you're, you're just growing in the spirit and you wanna learn more about God and you showed up here to church today to get, because you're afraid of going to hell or you're afraid of the coronavirus or you're afraid that if I don't honor God, he won't honor me, whatever it is. But if it's out of fear, that's not who God's called you to be. But if it's for hunger, Scripture tells us that he that hungers and thirsts after righteousness, he shall be filled. So if you're hungry for God and hungry for relationship and you're hungry for the things of God and, and you're chasing your purpose, that's how it was meant to be. We're not supposed to be led by fear. We're supposed to run to win. We're supposed to train to win. Let's read 1 Corinthians 9. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. 
It'll be up on the screen behind me if you want to read along. 9, starting in verse 24. You've all been to the stadium and seen athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it and then missing out myself. Paul said, run hard. I'm not wasting steps. I don't want to waste time. Don't spend your whole life wondering, man, I wonder what would have happened if I would have went all in. I wonder what would have happened if I would have tried as hard as I could. What if I would have given myself? What if I would have started that business, started that ministry, served somebody? Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the woman thinks he's an idiot. Oh, no, wait, it doesn't say that. My bad. (laughs) There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. It seemeth right. There is a way that seemeth right unto the man. It may look right. It may feel right. But you know it's not right. You know everything can look good sometimes. But it just doesn't feel right. In your spirit. It's just not the right fit. You know you can make a good decision and it not be the right decision. I want to be in the will of God. Not just trying to make good decisions, but I want to make the God decision. I want to know what God's plan is, what His Spirit's leading me to do, because there could be a lot of good decisions. I mean, there's probably several good decisions that I could make. But I want to be in the will of God. Romans 12, 2 is a pretty familiar verse. It says, and be not conformed. Conform, that's don't fit in. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. See, we all want a transformation. We all have something in our life we'd like to see transformed or changed. Transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to change your mind. Transformation starts in here. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the renewing or the resetting of your mind. You know how like you reset a mousetrap? 
and then when a mouse comes along and eats the bait and it kills the mouse, now the mousetrap has fulfilled its purpose. But then it's done unless you reset it or renew it. That's that same word, the renewing or the resetting. So you got to reset your mind. So yeah, you did what God called you to do, but it's not good enough if like back in 1984, you did what God called you to do and you fulfilled your purpose for life, but then you never renewed your mind again. You never allowed God to keep speaking to you. You never, you didn't grow anymore. Then you're like the old mousetrap that never got reset. You were used one day way back in the day. But if you will allow through the word of God and through the preaching and, and if you will allow your mind to be renewed or reset, then God will continue to use you over and over and over. He'll grow you up. You'll walk in purpose. Purpose isn't a one-time thing. It's a life. The life of purpose. That's the life I want to live. God doesn't want you stuck. He wants you able to move freely. Transformed from death to life. It's easy to fall back into old patterns of death. That's all sin is, is death. And Jesus came to bring life. To transform us from death to life. So you're not motivated by fear anymore used to be all about fear no more but you've got to reset your mind to life so we want God's will for our lives we want that good and perfect will that we just read about like we want God's perfect plan We want to do what God wants us to do. Nobody would probably argue with that. I don't want to do what God wants me to. But do you know that you will never find God's complete will for your future? Sorry to tell you that. He won't give it all to you. Trust me, I asked him a bunch and I'm his favorite. So if he was going to give it to somebody, he would have gave it to me. He didn't. He won't. And this is really going to drive some of y'all crazy more than others. Like the planners. Now those of you that think it's a vacation when you go on vacation and you have it all planned out. And you get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and you do this, 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 and this. That's not a vacation. But that kind of people will get really upset about this because... You want God to lay it all out for you and what the future is supposed to look like and what you're supposed to do and this is what my purpose will look like and here's the steps that I need to do to get to that and God won't give it to us like that. See, because if God gave you the whole plan, you wouldn't seek Him. You wouldn't need to trust Him. You would never need faith. You wouldn't need courage. You, if God gave you everything you were asking for, then you would never... Come back to him. You wouldn't need him. God, what's the plan? There's so many people quote Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. God wants to prosper me. He has good and not evil. And that's an awesome, great verse. He said, for I know the plans. 
He knows. He didn't tell you all the plans. He just said, don't worry. I know the plans that I have for you, and they're good. I don't have plans to hurt you, but I know them. You don't. I'm adding a little bit there. I know the plans or the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord. Now, let's back up just a little bit to Jeremiah 29, 4. A lot of people know Jeremiah 29, 11. They got it hanging on their refrigerators and all kind of stuff. But Jeremiah 29, 4, if we back up just a few verses, not a whole lot of people quoting that one. That's probably not hanging on your refrigerator. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem and to Babylon. Wait a second. This is the word of God coming through the prophet Jeremiah. He's speaking to them. And he's getting ready to tell them our, this famous verse on down a few more verses about I have plans for you, good, to not harm you and all that. But, but this verse just tells us that they're slaves to the Babylonians who were very cruel, mean people that tortured them and killed them and forced them to do work. They were slaves and God caused them to be carried away from Jerusalem into slavery. They were slaves. They were in captivity when they received this word. Imagine being a slave in captivity and hearing a word from God. I have a plan for you. I'm going to prosper you. It's for good and not evil. I mean... Okay, uh, when's that going to happen? Because it ain't happening right now. It kind of the opposite of that is happening right now. If you think about their situation and where they were when God gave them this word. This doesn't look like hope or future or prosperity. I started out telling you that God wants you to win. God has a plan for you. You need to know that. God is for you and he has a plan for you. To quote Loki, brother of Thor, you are burdened with glorious purpose. But God won't show you the way because you won't follow him. You know, if, if I know the way somewhere, I don't look at a map. Like, I don't seek guidance to Bremen Walmart. I don't. I don't ask for counsel. I don't go to somebody smarter than me, an elder, and ask their advice on how to get to Bremen Walmart. I don't look at a map. I just go get in my car and drive to Bremen Walmart because I know the way. And even if there's a road blocked, I know another way. Like, I don't need help. So if you knew the way, 
you wouldn't need help. That's not how God set it up. He wants us to depend on Him and other people. Relationships and the church and the community. and like We're designed to be in community, in relationship, connected to each other. So I must learn to seek, to listen. And when I get a word, when I get the next step, obey. Like listening to the GPS, it doesn't tell you every turn right up front. No, it waits till you do what it told you last, and then it tells you the next turn. Turn left in 300 feet. And if you turn left in 300 feet, then it tells you the next thing you're supposed to do. Same with us. We're supposed to learn. We're supposed to seek His voice and listen. And then when He tells us something, if we obey, then He tells us the next thing. But if not, He has to keep rerouting. He gives you another instruction because you didn't obey the last one. And then He gives you another one if you don't obey that one. But if you obey, He's taking you on a path. He's getting you somewhere. Remember, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They won't follow the voice of a stranger. Why? Because they're familiar with it. Because they've paid a price to get close and listen and obey and listen and obey and listen and obey and they know my voice. They won't be led astray. They won't follow a stranger. Because they know me. The goal is not to use God to get what we want. It's for God to be what we want. See, God's whole plan is not that, that we would use Him to get the thing that we want, that purpose is what we want. No, it's the ultimate plan is for relationship with Him so that He is the thing that we want. That's the whole point. The whole purpose is the relationship that we get with Him. Is walking through life's journey with God. Isaiah 55.8 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways, they're not your ways. Stop trying to figure out where He's going and get close. You don't have to know exactly where he's going. Just get close. Seek me and you'll find me. Remember when people used to give directions? Like before GPS and stuff. Uh, I had to go pick up some hay. When was that? Probably a month ago, whenever I found that hay in Alabama. And I called this guy, and he tells me, yeah. He says, come on down here, and you're going past the Oxford exit, and go on down past. And then he says, come to the Talladega exit and get off, and you're going to just ride way on out there. I don't know how far. It's going to seem like you've gone too far. And then you're going to see this big old pine tree out there to the left, and you're going to know your turn's coming up soon. I'm and how many pine trees are out in Talladega? How, and I'm like, man, sir, um, you got an address? 
You can give me an address. Well, address takes you somewhere else, but you're going to see somebody didn't built a cow fence out of an old guardrail. So when you see that, you know, that's my son-in-law's house. You, I'm, and I, sir, it, you got an address to your son-in-law's house? Maybe give me a little closer. Like, and he's trying to give me directions, and finally he, he gave me an address. But... People used to give directions like that. I, oh, we saw. Where we, oh, that was at the hospital. You got to see the different generations. Uh, so we all used the GPS to get to the hospital. And then mom, next generation, she, she had gone on MapQuest and printed out the papers that told her how to get there. And then another generation, Mona came and she had a road map of Georgia. She comes from Alabama and she had a map of Georgia. That Now she was with my aunt Sheila and I don't know if Sheila used a GPS or something, but Mona was making sure she was right with the road map. Road map doesn't lie. Your GPS can take you to a wrong place. A road map, it doesn't change. It doesn't give you the wrong thing. It's funny to see the the progression there. I'm trying to remember what I was even talking about. We want directions. We want God to to lay it all out there for us so there's no guesswork. So we're not wondering where to go. But with God, it's all about relationship. It's all about hearing His voice and obeying His voice and, and going where He says to go and He just wants us close. He wants to be with us. He wants to spend time with us. He says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Come in close. I just want to hang out with you. You're my kids. It makes me, when I was reading this and studying this, I was thinking about uh, one time I had bought some tires for my truck over there off of Buford Highway. And we had just found a cheap deal on I forgot where we found that on the internet or something, and it was really cheap deal for tires. And so I went there and drove there, and they could not speak hardly any English. And they sold me the tires, but they didn't, it was just like all in a warehouse, and there was no machines or anything to put the tires on your truck. And I was like, do they not do that? Or it was a cheap deal, but. The communication just wasn't very good there. There was they were speaking Spanish and I was speaking English and so long story short, they tell me that they'll put the tires on for me, mount and balance, and he has goes up to the guy at the front and that runs the cash register and stuff, could speak a little bit of English, and he said, Well, he's going there to the place where we could put on the tires. I got that from him. And he said, I can give you an address or, and the guy that apparently was going there that had been dealing with me, he said, you can follow me. So I was like, I'll follow you. Bad decision. Not a good idea. We got in the car and this dude just took off. Apparently his blinkers were in English or something because he didn't use them. And 
he took off and he got way ahead of me and I couldn't see where to turn and it was very nerve wracking. I did finally make it there and got the tires changed and it was this, this crazy experience where he just took off. But I feel like sometimes that's how God does with us. Well, where are we going? I need to know, what's the address? Where am I going to end up? Where We're going to mount and balance these tires. And is it far from here? And, is, and he's just like, you can follow me. And then he goes and you have to follow. That's what Jesus did to the disciples. Hey, I know you're busy with a career and a family and all that, but come follow me. And then there he went. And they had to just take off after him and trust. And that's hard to do because we want to just figure everything out sometimes. I don't want to just follow you. I want to know where we're going. I want to know why you decided to go through this valley. You can follow me. Okay. But as we look through the Bible... We see that God did that to a lot of people. Remember Joseph? God gave him kind of a dream and a vision, and then it was like, wait, where are we going? We went through slavery. We got, I got falsely accused and thrown in jail, and I was a slave to Potiphar, and I got pulled out like, what? That's, this doesn't look like a purpose and a plan for my life. Looks like I'm being punished for something. God called Abraham to leave his homeland. And Abraham said, okay, cool, I trust you. I'll obey you. Where are we going? And God said, to a place that I'll tell you. Okay, when are you going to tell me? Just take off, pack up, leave, and then I'll show you. Just follow me. You can follow me. Why? Because it's in the following. See, it's on the journey that you will find relationship. And you'll be prepared for the destination. You're not ready for the destination. If you skipped the journey, you wouldn't be ready. In fact, you couldn't handle what it is that God has for you. You're not close enough in relationship with God and and to the connections that you need. Like if you skip the journey, you couldn't handle what he has for you. It would crush you. It would break you. It is the journey that's going to prepare you. It's the valleys and the storms that you're going to go through that's going to get you ready for what he has for you. That is the only place that you will draw near to him and get relationship with him. It's in the journey. That's how you get influence at Jesus Jam this year. Um, wow. We talked about the I factor. We talked about how, and it just came to me. Man, I hate that. My mind went blank. 
Okay, we talked about the I factor at Jesus Jam this year. And it was, the I factor is intimacy plus integrity equals influence. That's what happens on the journey. As we learn to walk and obey and listen and trust and, and we find that intimacy and integrity in our relationship with God and then it equals influence later on. Look at Hebrews 12.1. We'll wrap it up. Hebrews 12.1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Beset us is to trip us, to make us weak, or to take our joy. And I want to point out that weight and sin are two different things. He said every weight and the sin that trips us, that makes us weak, that takes our joy. Let us lay it aside and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. How? You need God. The price has been paid. But you got to walk in it. Verse 2 says, and that's what lets us know how, looking unto Jesus, not looking unto other people, not looking unto pain, not looking unto loss, not looking unto your job or your circumstances, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Not that he wanted to. It wasn't fun to go to the cross. In fact, he pleaded with God, my God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to drink it. I'll obey you. But it's, he didn't want to go to the cross. How did he do it? How did he endure the pain? For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. Look at Jesus. I'm going to read you how the, the Message Bible words that, those three verses. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. All those veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. Strip down and start running. 
and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. How? Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. He did it, so just follow Him. Study how He did it, because He never lost sight of where He was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor. Right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Anybody need a little adrenaline shot into your soul? Wake up. Come alive. Do what you need to do. How? Looking unto Jesus. Go over that story again. He did it. So what we read in that first verse with lay aside the weight and the sin. When you're making a decision and you're listening for God's voice, don't just ask yourself, is it a sin? Is it a sin for me to do this? Because, I mean, that's obvious. If it's a sin, don't do it. Right? But there are obviously some weights, too, things that aren't necessarily a sin, but they'll slow you down. They'll distract you. They can become obstacles that keep you from following God or keep you from winning the race because you're so weighed down. And it can be a relationship or a job or a, I, I don't know what it is for you. But don't just ask, is it a sin? Is it wrong for me to watch this movie or for me to... Whatever. Well, what should I ask? Does it help me run? Does this help me run? Does it propel me towards my purpose? Does it, does it help me to be the man I'm called to be? Does it help me to be a better leader? Does it help me to be a better father, husband, pastor? Does, does this help me run or is it slowing me down? Now, it's okay for me to I don't want to start naming stuff because then people think I'm talking about them and I'm not. Because it's different for all of us. There are some things that would slow me down that probably wouldn't slow you down and there's some things that will slow you down that probably wouldn't slow me down. So, ask yourself that question. Does this help me run? Or is it something I need to let go of? Something I need to lay down? Is it slowing me down? Sometimes it's going to look like a lot of loss. Like you're having to lay down a whole lot of stuff and not much gain. Well, man, I've had a lot of loss. Well, I've had a lot of hurt. I had a lot of pain and not much gain, not much precious. We talked yesterday about how it's worth going through tons and literally tons of dirt for just one flake of gold that they'll sift through dirt for just a little bit of precious 
It's worth it. And that if you learn to focus and find the precious, there's precious in every bit of pain. There's always good in the bad. And it's worth it. What if I had like my whole pickup truck sitting in the parking lot and the whole bed of my truck was full of manure? Right? And I told you that somewhere in the middle of all that manure, there was a one ounce gold nugget. And if you want to go find it, you can have it. Would you go look for it? You'd have to beat me to it. Now, one ounce of gold is worth about $1,500 last time I looked, so I'd dig through all the poop, all the mess for one ounce of gold. It'd be worth it. Jesus at Gethsemane, what I just talked to you about when he was in agony. Scripture tells us he was sweating drops of blood. He was so stressed out and did, I don't want to do it. I, dad, please, Dad, is there another way? Nevertheless, I'll go through all the pain. I'll act in obedience. What we just read, why? For the joy that was set before him. Say, Dad, tomorrow's going to be a lot of pain. It's going to be a lot of loss and hurt. But he did it for the joy that was set before him. He did it for you. He did it for me. You were enough for him. And I'm telling you today that he'll be enough for you. In your deepest pain, in your darkest valley, through the hardest time, through whatever it is, he'll be enough for you. Fix your eyes on him. Go over that story. You can follow me. Picture Jesus saying that to you. That, I don't know, that dude's name might have been Jesus. <laughs> Good chance. You can follow me. You can follow him. You were enough for him. The writer of Hebrews tells us that he'll be enough for you. There comes a time when quit looks good. In every marriage, in every job, in every ministry, in every fight, there will come a time when quit looks good. When you're ready to just give up. Trust me, if you hadn't got there yet, it's coming. Don't quit. Don't stop. Run to win. You will never outgrow opposition. You must learn to fight. See, our filter should not be the same as everyone around us. We're supposed to do everything we do through Christ. 
We should look different. We should fight different. We should be able to find the precious and have joy and peace and hope and strength even in a bad situation. Why? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by fear. We're sacrificial, not selfish. If we want to look like Jesus, and like we're told to do in Matthew 5, 16, we shine. We should shine. Shine your light. Don't put it under a bushel and hide it. We're supposed to shine. Heaven's not far away. Heaven is near and we're connected to it. Hebrews 6 says that we have an anchor for the soul. And anchors always have chains. And chains connect us to the anchor. So the Holy Spirit connects us to heaven. closer we get he's drawing us in we have this hope and when a loved one goes on beyond the veil and they're there with Jesus and we're connected the Holy Spirit and when we draw closer to him we draw closer to them That's the cloud of witnesses that we just read about in Hebrews. Don't quit. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thank you for speaking to our hearts and minds. I thank you for sending your spirit. Thank you for the comforter that you promised you would be. God, I thank you for the precious. God, we thank you for purpose and meaning. We thank you for the gift of life, for every moment that we get here on this planet. Help us to show you. Help us to love each other. Help us to give the same grace and mercy that we've received thank you for Jesus thank you for paying the price so that we could be in relationship with you so that we could hear your voice and follow you and that we could change the world and that each one of us has a race we're going to run to win we're going to train to win. We're going to stop running out of fear. We're going to stop running away from things that we're scared of. And start running towards things that we're hungry for. God, we're hungry for you. So fill us. Give us more of you. A greater understanding of who you are. 
We love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.